0: There, everybody. Happy Masterful Living. Happy Monday. I am so grateful to join with you right now. Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. I am so grateful for Masterful Living, for our beautiful community, and the way things are unfolding for us this year. It's tremendous. <laughs> and I am so happy to begin with a prayer. So, I like to take a breath of gratitude, place my hand on my heart, so grateful and thankful for divine love leading us and guiding us. So grateful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, unlimited flow of divine love, wisdom, clarity, freedom, joy. The all good of God is happening in our heart, in our mind, right here, right now. We partner up with the Higher Holy Spirit Self for the purpose of joining together in spirit, remembering and recognizing the truth that is our freedom. It's our liberation. We take this breath of love and gratitude together and we declare that our time, our class, is the perfect opportunity for us to let go of the past and to step into the present moment fully awake and fully alive, practicing the presence of God in our own heart and mind. We join together for the purpose of surrendering all the thoughts, patterns, and beliefs that simply do not serve a life of love, a life of joy, a life of freedom. So we're claiming the all good. We're choosing a path of awakening awareness. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. (sighs) Yes, what a blessing. Such a blessing. Hmm. So, uh, one thing I would like to um, just mention right up at the top, that if you have questions... Uh, that you'd like to ask me, you can always fill in that question box ahead of time. So we, uh, we change out that question box the following day, and so you really have most of the week to type in a question, because I know we've got people in all different time zones, and some of the time zones, like the beautiful folks in Europe, are sleeping right now. So, most of them, because it's the middle of the night for them. So, you can always type in a question in the question box. Just wanted to let you know that. And uh, also, during the class, any questions at all, you can type in a question or start to to raise your hand. I love it when people have questions and would like to get clarification or share something. Uh, share an aha, an insight uh you're most welcome and this is week 2 of effective spiritual practice so we're focusing on that laying the foundation for everything that's to come and so I'm going to start with some things about effective spiritual practice. And a reminder to those who are listening on the phone, it's a star two on your keypad to raise your hand. Star two to raise your hand. So, where did I go here? Give me a technical moment here. Hmm. Well, this is funny. (laughs) Um, Oh, I know. I'm looking in the wrong place. Funny. Funny, funny. Okay. <laughs> so, effective spiritual practice. I as I was praying and I I heard myself say uh, about we're on a journey of awakening, we're in uh, awakening awareness. I, I I feel it's helpful to define our terms, particularly because being a Course in Miracles student, uh, the course often uses terms in a very particular way that that is not congruent with the way other people use them, and it can be quite confusing. So I like to be able to define the terms. I find that uh, that really helps people to understand each other and to understand me. So, uh, effective spiritual practice. One of the terms that we're using here is awakening. You could call it enlightenment. You could call it ascension. To me, these words are synonymous, meaning that they represent the same thing to me. So, attaining enlightenment is the same thing as awakening. So, Buddha had an awakening. He attained enlightenment. What does uh, uh, enlightenment actually mean? So, when we are able to have our mind open so that we can see beyond time and space and beyond the construct of form... in the world and we can see what is the cause of things and what things are for. So, for instance, we could see how this illness is for our highest good, that it's teaching us something, that it's an opportunity to help liberate our mind or to offer service to someone else while we're liberating our mind our experiences our feelings our physical manifestations in the body outside the body our thoughts our every every part of our life works together for good now most of us many times there's a more loving choice there's a higher choice that we could be making And what we're doing in Masterful Living is we are interested primarily in releasing the identification with the small self, the limited self, the ego self that is focused entirely in lack, attack, limitation, and separation. And we're interested in re-identifying with our higher Holy Spirit self, which is the enlightened being that we already are in spirit. So we're having this human experience. Seems like we're a body. Seems like we're an ego, but we're not. We're having this experience so that we can gain understanding and learning from it. It's a journey to understand I think, to understand God better. We're understanding what it is to be a creator, because in this world of illusion, our thoughts are manifesting as our experiences. Our thoughts are manifesting in form. And I'm going to talk about that in this class of how that works, primarily about the law of cause and effect. So, in order to have effective spiritual practice, we must understand the law of cause and effect. So, we're going to be talking about that today. Now, some people use the word ascension. I happen to really like the word ascension. And, uh, to me, it is another name for enlightenment. Ascension. And... We could think of when we're enlightened, our awareness has ascended. It's, um, I mean, there really is no time and space. So heaven is not a location; it's in our mind, and we are interested in ascending above thinking. That we're a body. We're interested in ascending in our awareness so that we can see beyond time and space and see causation and know what things are for. And it's our willingness to take responsibility for our life, our thoughts, our feelings, our experience that assists us in rising above feeling like a victim and feeling like. Life is happening to us. So we're on a journey of awakening together, and this is what we're actively engaged in while we're working the Masterful Living curriculum. And for me, it's very helpful to recognize that, for most of us, the beginning stage of our path of awakening, our journey of awakening, is upset, upset, So, from all the ancient teachings of awakening, uh, they all are teaching that the beginning is we feel upset. It's sadness, fear, desperation, hopelessness, melancholy. Right, It's all these unpleasant emotions that are, for most of us, beginning of our awakening. Now, how could that be? Well, for each and every one of us, uh, almost all of us, we, we experience pain mentally, emotionally, physically. And when the pain is great, it pushes us to the point where we'll say, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. There must be a better Way. Right? Can you recognize that you have had that thought? You've had that feeling. And many, maybe you've had it many, many times. For those of you who are Course in Miracles students, and remember, it's not important that you're a Course in Miracles student, not at all. I'm going to cover. Uh, certain basics of a course of miracles in this class because I find them so helpful. But no one in this class needs to purchase a Course of Miracles or study a Course of Miracles. But for many people who do study a Course of Miracles they find that Masterful Living is extremely helpful to them in further understanding and living A Course of Miracles. But there's no part of this class that requires you to study or know or understand A Course of Miracles. So, we've had these thoughts and these feelings. Of, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. There must be a better way, right? Sometimes we call it hitting bottom. And once we hit that bottom, then, if we're still alive, we're at that place where finally we're ready to be willing to change, and to do things differently. So one thing to ask yourself is, do you think you've hit bottom yet? And was it a long time ago, or was it recently, or maybe not quite yet? And how do you know that you hit the bottom? For me, I can say I hit the bottom when I was in my mid-twenties. So that was 30 years ago. And I wanted to kill myself. That was my bottom, was I really wanted to die. Because at that time, I felt like I had finally found my dream job. And I worked very hard to find that dream job. And... I didn't like it and I had worked towards that dream job for more than a decade and so it was devastating to my ego that I didn't like it I had so many things that I'd worked hard for that I thought would make me happy but I wasn't happy at all I was miserable and it was an experience of realizing that I don't know how to be happy. I don't know how to make myself be happy. I'm doing everything I think is right, but it's not leading me to happiness. And it was so upsetting to me that I thought, I cannot succeed in this world I I don't understand this world. I don't get it. I thought I got it. I thought that having the job, making the money, having the apartment, having the body, having the this and the that, having these things, and I, while I wouldn't have said for sure that my body was perfect, um, and I didn't have the perfect relationship that I wanted uh with a, a man, but I felt good about my work. Uh, I mean, I felt good about my ability to work. I didn't like my job, but I felt good about my ability to work, my talents, my gifts. And I was earning a decent salary. I had a nice place to live. Some things that were hard to accomplish in Manhattan at that time. And yet, I was not at all happy. And I felt like since I can't be happy in this world, I just wanted to die. But I didn't kill myself because I knew that would be devastating to my family, and they did not deserve it. So that was my bottom. My ego, to a certain degree, not unfortunately not fully, but to a certain degree, my ego gave up. And it was then that I began to go on a journey to learn to love myself. I discovered that I hated myself in, in that whole experience. And I started on a journey to love myself and towards God. And so that, that was my bottom. And um, what I've learned over the years that I'm very grateful for is that while pain is painful and it's very unpleasant, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. And pain, actually, for many of us, is a helpful wake-up call. It's a helpful wake-up call. Because when we're suffering, even whether we know it or not, we're believing something that isn't true and we can change our mind. And for those of you who study A Course in Miracles, you might want to look at Lesson 190 in the workbook where it says pain is a wrong perspective. Pain is a wrong perspective. So what is the perspective we have when we're in pain it's thinking i'm a body it's thinking i'm limited it's thinking i lack something or many things it's thinking that i'm separate from god that's the perspective that is painful pain is a wrong perspective of course the miracles uh the lesson 190 says pain is a wrong perspective when pain is experienced In any form, mental, emotional, physical, it is a proof of self-deception. It is not a fact at all. There is no form pain takes that will not disappear if seen aright. Okay, there's no form that pain takes that will not disappear if seen correctly. So if you can think of something that you experience as painful, physically, mentally, emotionally, and begin to entertain this thought that you have a wrong perspective, that you're deceiving yourself, that the pain is in the mind, like a splinter in the mind, and it will disappear if you're willing to see correctly, If you, when you can see it correctly. Now, I have to say, I've got to follow this up immediately with the lesson 25. I don't know what anything is for. I do not know what anything is for, including any pain. I do not know what it's for, except it's for my learning. It's helpful. doesn't seem like pain could be helpful, but it is. It's a wake-up call. Now, I have to honestly say I know many powerful spiritual students and practitioners whose whole lives are dedicated to knowing the truth, who have gone through periods of excruciating pain, There are many great mystics and saints who went through periods of excruciating pain. I do not know what anything is for. So sometimes in our spiritual path, we have to look at, Okay, I'm not seeing this correctly. I have a wrong perspective on this. And I don't know what anything is for, except it is working together for my good. All things work together for good. There are no exceptions. This is what, of course, miracles tells us. And so for me, what I've learned to do is to say, okay, it's not my job to make sense of it. It's not my job to try and understand it. Only the ego wants to understand things and make sense of things because only the ego is confused. I, in the I am that I am, in my spiritual nature, my higher self, which is my true self, knows and understands everything without exception. So, if I'm confused and trying to make sense of it, trying to understand it, it's just evidence that I'm aligned with the ego. So when I find myself trying to understand and make sense of things, I stop and I go, I don't know what anything is for, but I'd like to know. Higher Holy Spirit Self, I'd like to release this illusion that I don't know. I'd like to release the delusion that I can't understand it, that it doesn't make sense. I'd like to lift my awareness to that awakened state where I can see what everything is for and know what everything is for and rejoice that everything is for my good. In the meantime, in between time, I'm going to simply be grateful that everything is working together for my good. Look for the most loving choices and relinquish any attachment I have to thinking that things are wrong or bad or that they should be different or any opinions or judgments that I have. And that's the way out of pain that has worked for me it doesn't always happen immediately but the greater the willingness the faster the release now going to go a little bit further here in lesson 190 where it says it is your thoughts alone that cause you pain nothing external to your mind can hurt or injure you in any way. There is no cause beyond yourself that can reach down and bring oppression. No one but yourself affects you. There is nothing in the world that has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail. But it is you who have the power to dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. It is you who have the power to dominate all things you see, in other words, all things in this world, by merely recognizing what you are. So what are we? What are we? Of course, Miracles says that we are the Christ. We are the Christ, that that's what the Son of God is. It's the Christ, and that's what all humanity is. And so it's our willingness to recognize that we already are perfect and to stop thinking we have to become perfect. This is critical to fast-tracking our peace our prosperity our wholeness our freedom our joy is relinquishing the idea that our healing is a process or that we have to become more holy become more pure we're already whole we're already pure we're already holy it's only our job to relinquish The thought that we're not already there. So, so valuable to us to understand this. And when I start to think, oh, you know, if I could do this or do that. No, I'm already there. I'm already there. Don't have to accomplish anything in the world to be more holy. That's an illusion. It's a delusion. It causes pain. So the pain is a wake-up call letting us know our thinking is incorrect. The vision of joy, beauty, harmony, peace, and prosperity is always calling us. Just as the pain is always pushing us. So we can be inspired by the vision or we can be motivated by the pain. And most of us are some of both, right? So we can decide if we'd rather be pulled by a vision of love to change our minds, to be more loving, to be more congruent with our true self, the higher Holy Spirit self, or we can be pushed by a vision of hate, self-hatred, judgment, criticism, and all forms of attack thought. And most of us are ping-ponging back and forth all day long. So what we're on this journey of is becoming more and more consistently being pulled by the vision, relinquishing our attack thoughts, relinquishing the confusion, the despair, and all the habits that we've built up that don't serve us anymore. It seems, for most of us, when we're really beginning this, it can seem kind of insane. But the truth is, we're actually choosing how we'd like to experience this curriculum of Awakening Awareness. Do we wish to experience it mostly through joy or mostly through pain? We are actually actively choosing all day long. So... The main focus in Masterful Living is to become aware to our choices so we can make choices that bring more joy. So in order to do that, I find it's really helpful to understand how this world works and how our mind works. Because the world is a projection of our mind, so understanding our mind, to me, is the most helpful thing. So just before I go into how the mind works, I just want to see, does anybody have any questions so far? Anybody have any questions so far? So star two to raise your hand. I know we've got some questions written in already, which is great. I'm going to come back to those a little later. All right, I'm going to take a sip of my water here. So let's set the goal to have dominion over our mind. And I... Have come to. I feel I know that reincarnation is true in our human experience on this planet, and I've had many experiences that made me recognize that it was true. Course of Miracles talks about karma and reincarnation, uh, some uh, and it can be helpful to understand it, but I don't feel it's worth putting a lot of time and energy into it. But I would like to say this, that let's say in a previous lifetime, somebody had uh, a lifetime in which they grew up in a family where one parent was abusive and it was very difficult and painful. And then, uh, at, as they progressed through their life, they became angry and bitter about it. So they had experience of being abused and they made the decision about life, about themselves, about their parents, about children, let's say a, a multiplicity of decisions they made, uh, that life is hell, that, uh, um, that people who, uh, hurt their children should be tortured or don't deserve to live, or uh, any number of decisions that someone could make in that situation. All judgments, all criticisms, all lacking in compassion and forgiveness. So then, in a subsequent lifetime, before they incarnate, they make a decision, I would like to experience things in my life that will help me to forgive what I didn't forgive in that lifetime when I was abused as a child. I would like to have compassion for what I didn't have compassion for in that previous lifetime. And I would like to have forgiveness and compassion for myself for not having forgiveness and compassion in that lifetime because perhaps had I had forgiveness and compassion in that lifetime I might have been able to help my parent who abused me in forgiving themselves and setting themselves free of keeping this negative karma going so in this lifetime this Coming up one, I would like to really heal all of that and address all of those decisions that I made in that lifetime. The beliefs that I started in that lifetime. So how do we do that? So we come into the next, into a subsequent lifetime and we bring with us these beliefs that we formed in a previous lifetime, based on the decisions we made in a previous lifetime. So now in this new lifetime, we might have, let's say, a child that's very, very difficult. And the temptation is to hurt them, to abuse them, to be mentally, emotionally, physically abusive to them because they're so wild and uncontrollable and difficult. Or it might be that we um, are married to an abusive parent, or who knows? I I don't know. I'm just uh, a storyteller, uh, supposing the many ways that this could show up. So we think when we're that in our childhood that the things that happen to us randomly happen to us. A lot of us. I realize for myself that. Uh, many of the people in my family were very intensely judgmental, or so it seemed to me. Uh, and I thought that this was something that was happening to me. But when I got older, I was able to realize, no, this was the perfect thing, the perfect part of the curriculum for me to forgive myself for having been very judgmental in a previous lifetime. I think I was even a judge in at least one lifetime. And that forgiving the people who are judgmental around me and taught me to be judgmental in this lifetime, that's me forgiving myself for my choices in a previous lifetime when I lacked compassion and understanding and kindness. Now I can have compassion and kindness for the situations I'm in now, and I realize, oh, how it's so painful to be judged and to feel judged a lot, and it's very painful to judge other people. I see the cycle of pain, and I see it so clearly now because of my family situation, and because of that, I would like to be Able to relinquish all the judgments and be non judgmental and teach others the value of that as well so that we can all liberate. So now I can give thanks for everything that happened when I was younger that drove me to the point of wanting to kill myself and being in so much pain. Now I see, oh, That was the way my curriculum was set up to get me to the point where I said, there has to be a better way, and I am going to find it. I am willing now to stop thinking, I know how to be happy, because clearly I do not know how to be happy. I can be happy for a moment. Mmm, this ice cream is so good. Oh, this sex is so yummy. Oh, this movie is so engaging I can be happy for a moment I know how to do that but how to be happy in my spirit happy in my life happy in my relationships happy in my heart I don't know how to do that so I'm going to give up thinking that I do and that's one of the most beautiful things it says in to me in the course of miracles is stop thinking you know what will make you happy because you don't it, Course in Miracles tells us that we've come to think that what will make us happy is things like seeking revenge. We think that what will make us happy is teaching that one a lesson. All kinds of crazy things that will never make us happy. Right? And so we think that we confuse that, the happiness with for a moment thinking we have what we want. When it's It's not that we're happy because we have what we want. For a moment, we're happy because we don't want anything, because we think we have it. That's how crazy and and distorted our understanding of happiness is. Right? In uh, the Science of Mind teachings, Ernest Holmes teaches that happiness is temporary or temporal, time-bound, space-bound, versus joy, which is spiritual and is an unconditional quality of God that's omnipresent, omniactive, and available to us at any time because it's not conditional. Whereas, and I I find Holmes' teaching very helpful in this, we think of happiness as being conditional and joy as being unconditional. Just like uh, affection can be conditional, but love is not conditional. So in uh, we bring into this lifetime these beliefs, and our beliefs are always false. I think this is very helpful to understand this, that the truth is true, and the truth will set us free, but our beliefs will keep us trapped, actually, in the cycle of uh, reincarnation, samsara. As the Buddhists call it, so this this is what I'm teaching here is the law of cause and effect. We come into this lifetime with an agenda, with a script of how we're going to heal, how we'd like to heal the false beliefs. We bring in the false beliefs, and then our false beliefs magnetize into our awareness, the thoughts that are congruent with them. So I have a belief that I'm not good enough to be loved. I'm not worthy of love. That there's something wrong with me. That I'm bad. That I'm stupid. That I'm ugly. Some false belief, right? And uh, then we magnetize into our thoughts things like Because I'm bad, nobody's going to love me. Because there's something wrong with me, nobody's going to hire me. Because there's something wrong with me, I can't learn. If I can't learn, well, then I'll never have a good job. If I don't have a good job, then I won't have a good love life. If I don't have a good love life, my life is meaningless. If my life is meaningless, I should just kill myself. see how that goes so our thoughts are magnetized into our awareness from the field of thought so it's just this big field it's literally the fourth dimension so we're having our human experience third dimensionally the awakened mind is the fifth dimensional awareness and in the fourth dimension that's the field of thought. And thoughts are going to be magnetized into our awareness according to our beliefs. So, for instance, if you know that you're very smart, you're not going to have the thought that you're stupid. Even when you make an error, you won't have that thought that you're stupid. You'll just have the thought, oh, I missed some clue here. I don't know what that was. I'm not sure what happened here. But you wouldn't think, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. If you know that you're smart. So our beliefs are magnetizing into our awareness thoughts that are congruent with them. Why would they do that? Why does it work that way? It works that way so that we become aware. Of the beliefs. That's the whole thing there. We're becoming aware. Of our beliefs. By recognizing our thoughts. Now just because we have a thought. Doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's valuable. Doesn't mean it's helpful. Doesn't mean it's interesting. Or worth entertaining for a second. But what it does mean. Is that. We've got some kind of a belief, something going on that's bringing that thought into our awareness. So what I used to do is when I would have an unpleasant thought uh, or even a memory of something from the past, right? Because a lot of thoughts are just literally indicators of our unhealed memories of the past come back again and again like recurgitating again and again and again. And I would have these uh, thoughts, something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough, Uh, I'm fundamentally bad, these kinds of thoughts, I used to have them all the time. And I would think, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to push that away. Don't want to entertain that thought. Ugh. But that didn't heal anything. I'm not going to think about that that didn't heal anything and then other times I would think oh it's true it's true look there's so much evidence it's all around me oh my god I am bad I am wrong there is something fundamentally bad about me oh my god so I would vacillate between pushing the thought away, not going to think that, or drawing it closer and finding evidence to support it. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That was primarily how I spent my days. And if you think back to when we started week 1 of new year's intentions, right? We took the we did the taking stock and we we went through a fear thought a shame thought, a blame thought, a guilt thought, a jealousy thought, right? These memories that are replaying all the time. To have an awareness of where is our attention. What are we putting our focus on? Because as it says here in the Course, it is you who have the power to dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. Right? And right before that, no one but yourself affects you. There's nothing in the world that has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail. You have the power to dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. What you are is perfect. What you are is this... The Christ, what you are, is the Son of God, who is as God. You are as God created you. This is what you are. This is what I am. So, it's life changing to really see how our thoughts and our beliefs are playing out in our world. Because here's the sequence. We bring into our lifetime these beliefs which are not true. They are story we made up, a decision we made, an interpretation, the meaning we made of something that happened in a previous incarnation. We bring it in as our beliefs in this world so that we will magnetize into our awareness the thoughts and look at these thoughts, examine these thoughts, and if they're not true, discard them and choose again, choosing a loving thought, a helpful thought. This is what, of course, this is the complete distillation of A Course of Miracles here. So when these thoughts come into our mind, if they upset us, it's an indicator that they are false based on our beliefs, which are always false. What is the antidote to the upset that we feel when we think a thought that's not true? The antidote is to think a thought that is true, to give the thought that's false to the Holy Spirit for healing. Because if we're really not interested in thinking that thought anymore, the Holy Spirit, which is our higher self, We'll take it out of our mind as soon as we're not interested in it anymore. As soon as we're not valuing it anymore, we can, it'll disappear. There's no need for it. The only reason that we continue to have the thoughts that are false is because we value them. They're like little treasures. Why do we value these thoughts? That are so painful, like I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me. I'm damaged goods. I can never love because I'm not lovable. For all these kinds of crazy thoughts that we have about how deformed we are, something's missing. We're lack and limitation, self attack. Why do we keep them going? Why do we treasure them so much in a in a painful way? Well <laughs> a Course of Miracles tells us it's because we made them that we love them that everybody loves what they make and uh I- I it was last year spirit gave me this beautiful story uh for my life that helped me to understand it so and i i said this on the radio show last year so you may have heard me tell it but um when i was a little girl maybe six seven years old i made this little pinch pot clay pot in uh school right and uh i wrote on the bottom you know for mom or something like that and um, this little blue ceramic pot that uh, was just wasn't even as big as a coffee mug it was a little dish and um, it it definitely looked like a child made it and um, it was not particularly attractive at all and I brought it home and gave it to my mom my parents and and they were like, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. And um for the next 40 years, let's say, maybe not quite that long, 38 years, something like that, it was in the kitchen window. And even when my parents moved from Rhode Island to Maine, it <laughs> went to the kitchen window in Maine. And my mother would put her wedding ring in it when she did the dishes. And, you know, odd pennies and odd screws and things would be in that dish. And it was just always there in the windowsill above the sink. And then one time I was visiting my parents up in Maine, and I found that little blue pot in the garage, like in a pile of junk. And I went, oh, my God, because... I realized in that moment, I had completely identified myself with the pot. Like that little dish pot thing was me. And it completely represented me and my love for my parents. It was a symbol. And I loved and treasured that little dish because I had made it. And I had given it all the meaning that it had for me. But then at, I don't know, my late 40s, looking at it in the garage, I realized, you know what? It served its purpose. It is not me. And it really does not represent my love. It doesn't represent anything. It's just a little misshapen dish that a child made with love and I think we're complete with it and we don't need it anymore, truly. It can go by the wayside. And I had my experience of transforming the symbolism and the thought and all of that in my mind and I, I realized that Why did I think it was so special? It was because I had made it myself. But it was only special because of the meaning I gave it to it. And that's what we do with everything in our life. And that's why A Course in Miracles begins with everything I see only has the meaning that I have given to it but I don't really know what anything is for. So let me take my mind off the meaning of things and find out what things are really for. And when I'm willing to do that, I can, I have the capacity because my mind is the mind of God. That my mind and Jesus' mind and Buddha's mind And all the great minds, we share the same mind. Now, if I'm willing to take out the trash of all the thoughts that aren't true, then I can have a pristine awareness and recognize what everything is for. I can see beyond time and space and see causation and know what everything is for. And then I can rest assured that everything works together for my good And there are no exceptions. And that, my friend, is what I'm interested in. So, when we are thinking, they're throwing away my love when they're throwing away the dish. They don't love me anymore. They don't value me anymore. This whole lifetime of Them being my parents, I'm being their child, it's meaningless to them. Like, I could have had all those thoughts, right? And for a second, I did think, my love is in the trash. I did. I really did think that for a second. And then I, I was like, well, that's insane. That is so crazy. Because my love is not a thing in form. It's just a symbol. When we think a thought that's not true, and it could just be, "Oh, look at this monkey! why is he why is he going red on this right he, he, he you know why why is he trying to get into traffic here there's come on, just wait your turn, right a little thought like that. oh, oh my God, this person's taking so long to make the coffee. what is their problem what?" Whenever we have a thought that's not making us happy, that doesn't feel peaceful and harmonious, then we are living in our beliefs, identified with the separate self. It's the disturbance that lets us know our error so we can correct it. And so it's when there's irritation, there's frustration, there's annoyance, nothing bad is happening. Something actually quite wonderful is happening is we're being given an opportunity to recognize that we can choose again, that we can course correct, that we can live a much more joyful life. ...and not be pushed by the pain anymore... ...we can choose immediately, instantly... ...to be pulled by the vision and say... ...I don't know what anything is for... ...and I'm just not interested... ...any more in thinking... ...these old thoughts... ...of pain and lack and limitation... ...and separation and suffering... ...just not interested in them anymore... ...I'm not interested in repeating the same lessons anymore... ...so I don't know why it's taking so long to make the coffee... I don't have to be annoyed by that. I don't know why this guy is pushing into traffic here and thinks, you know, that, that this is a good idea. But I don't have to be annoyed or bothered by it. I can know that right where I am, as things are, everything is working together for good. There's no exception. I can rejoice. I can be grateful. I can see, oh, I have an opportunity to be upset or to be peaceful. And I'm the one who gets to choose. So, hey, I love myself enough to choose peaceful. Ding-dong, the wicked witch is dead. I can be peaceful. Right? So, if we don't make that choice when the opportunity presents itself, the agitation is presenting itself in our mind, we can feel the pain of the splinter in our mind, and we don't choose again. What happens then is, through the grace of God, we become emotionally upset. So when the mental agitation starts, and we don't recognize danger, 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 your thinking thoughts that aren't true, it will radiate into our emotional body. And we start to feel upset emotionally. Right? That's when the real irritation and anger and frustration and, uh, could be shame, guilt, blame, whatever it is that's going on that's getting triggered emotionally. And then that emotional upset is a further indicator. Oh, choose again. It's really important now to choose again. You're upsetting yourself. You're really upsetting yourself. Pain is a wrong perspective. There is nothing in the world that has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail or angry or hurt or guilty or ashamed or jealous But it is you who have the power to dominate all things you see by merely recognizing who you are, what you are, right? Course in Miracles talks about the tiny mad idea that we're separate from God. That that tiny mad idea occurred to us that we could be better than or less than. And we forgot to laugh. So now, when we recognize that things are upsetting us, we can remember to laugh. And we can call upon the higher Holy Spirit self to help us. Help me to surrender this thought. Oh, I have a great attachment to judging this person who's pushing into traffic. I have a great attachment to how long the coffee should take to make. I could see that now. I really think I know I'm right. But I, I must not be right because I'm upset. If I were in my right mind, I wouldn't be upset. So I'm grateful that I can realize I'm not in my right mind, which means I'm able to discern and I can choose to slide back into my right mind. I can choose to let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting of figuring out where this thought came from, how to get rid of it. I can just say, I am not interested in this anymore. I'm interested in choosing love. I'm interested in having dominion. I'm interested in keeping the peace and being at peace. That's what I'm interested in. but if we don't and we allow ourselves to get emotionally upset then through the grace of god we're start going to we're going to begin to feel physically upset right so this is when you feel sick to your stomach because you feel guilty or ashamed this is when your throat tightens up This is when you have headaches. This is when you have heat flashes and flushing, right? When people feel ashamed or jealous and things like that, they can get uh, all red-faced, right? They can have sweats, cold sweats, panic attacks, anxiety. Great tension and stress. These physical symptoms. But you see, we can recognize when our thoughts are not harmonious. And that it doesn't have to go into the emotional body and the physical body. But if we don't stop it all along the way, and we just keep agreeing with the thoughts and agreeing with the thoughts and thinking that they're true then they're also going to manifest as our experiences, the situations and circumstances of our life. Now, this process of the beliefs magnetizing into our awareness the thoughts that aren't true and then the agitation that begins in the mind goes to the emotional body and the physical body and then out into our life, our relationships, etc. I call that the divine alarm clock. So when it hits our emotional, our mental body that we're feeling agitated mentally, right? You can't stop thinking about something. I used to have that all the time. Can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop thinking about it. Right? obsessively thinking about things worrying about things rehearsing conversations uh, all that kind of stuff I used to do a lot of that and uh, just oh my god I did so much of that that's the divine alarm clock going off in your mind if you hit the snooze button and you just keep focusing on these thoughts are true and how to work with them and all of that rather than realizing uh-uh this, this is the pain pushing me then you're hitting the snooze button, and so the alarm travels into your emotional body. If you hit the snooze button there when you're feeling emotionally upset and you don't actually do the spiritual work of giving it to the Holy Spirit, recognizing these thoughts aren't true, handing them up and over, Instead, if you're managing and coping with it, trying to find a solution in the world, trying to understand it with your mind, then you're really hitting the snooze button at the emotional level, and so then the alarm's going to go off at the physical level you're going to experience it in your physical body, and if you keep pressing the the snooze button, you'll see it in your life, in your relationships, and it just keeps rippling out and rippling out. And that's why we have war. Because so many people are hitting the snooze button. So when one person can say, okay, wait a minute, I'm recognizing I'm thinking these thoughts that are agitating to me, so they must not be true. I'm going to say, I'm not interested in these thoughts anymore. Holy Spirit, take them out of my mind. I'd rather think thoughts that are true. That's what I'm interested in now, then, as part of this practice, what I learned is I can say to the holy spirit, heal them, heal my mind back to the root cause, heal these take these thoughts out of my mind, heal them back to the root cause, so whatever that was, in whatever lifetime, whatever meaning or interpretation I made, heal it all the way back now." I'm interested in being loving, compassionate, forgiving, kind, gentle, generous, respectful. Now is my opportunity to have compassion for myself and everyone else. So we talked about mirroring, understanding mirroring. Well, when someone in the world is upsetting me, it's an opportunity literally for me to forgive myself and have compassion for myself. Because all is one. And because the people that are showing up in my life that seem to be bothering me, they're representing to me the decisions that I made in the past. This is my opportunity to choose again. So we're learning to recognize what the thoughts are for so that we can have a healing. Now, I can honestly say that for more than a decade, I thought I understood the spiritual law of cause and effect. I was actually teaching it for a number of years before I finally realized that I'd been making a huge error. And that error was the cause of all my misery. So I'd like to offer up what I've learned in a way that if you're making the same error I was making, you can now see it and make a change to improve the quality of every day, every relationship, every experience, every moment. Now, one of the biggest Pills for the ego to swallow and the ego won't swallow it it'll just spit it back out at us so we have to just say okay i'm taking dominion over my mind and i am identifying with the spirit now the biggest thing is to take responsibility for everything that's going on in our lives the ego just will absolutely kill itself before it will allow that to happen. So we have to give spirit dominion in order for us to make this big change. Course in Miracles, I don't often quote the Course quite this much, but these are some fundamentals, and I feel the Course is uh, very helpful in the way it articulates them. So, And many of the people in the class are Course in Miracles students. So in... um uh the text, Chapter 21, Section 2, it's called Responsibility for Sight. It's my page 448 in the text. And it says so beautifully and concisely this helpful, helpful tool for us, where it says, this is the only thing that you need for vision, happiness, release from pain, and the complete escape from sin all to be given you. All right? Say only this, but mean it with no reservations, for here the power of salvation lies. So here's what you say. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve, and everything that seems to happen to me I ask for and receive as I have asked deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you acknowledge but that you have been mistaken and all effects of your mistakes will disappear so again it's say only this but mean it with no reservations I am responsible for what I see I choose the feelings I experience. I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. So my shorthand for that is, I am responsible for what I see and everything is just as I wish it to be. And I've learned to find that comforting Because if I can take responsibility for it, then I can have dominion over it in my mind. And the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. Right? That's the prayer at the end of Chapter 5. So, experience in a previous incarnation led us to decisions, interpretations, meaning-making, which led to karma... Which led to our current beliefs, which magnetize thoughts into our awareness. If we don't examine the thoughts that are bothering us, it becomes our emotions, upsetting, upset emotions, becomes our physical upset if we don't heal it at the emotional level, if we don't heal it at the physical level, and all the other levels, it becomes the circumstances and situations of our life. So when it's out there on the physical level, we're almost done with it, but we can be done with it at the level of the mind. We don't have to let it trickle all the way down into the situations and circumstances of our life. And that's why when people in masterful living start to take dominion over their mind and take responsibility and change their minds, their life radically changes. Because our thoughts are the cause of our experience. And much of the time, it's the thoughts, the karma, all of that, those beliefs, they're, they're unknown to us consciously. But we don't have to know them and understand them on a human level. Because on a spiritual level, There's no confusion. Everything is clear. So we can say, please take these thoughts out of my mind, known and unknown, felt and not felt. Everything that's false, take it out of my mind. I'm not interested in creating a false reality anymore. I'm interested in living heaven on earth now. So what, 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 for most of us, we've spent so much of our life thinking that the circumstances and situations that our thoughts and our emotions are proving our belief. So for instance, um, I'm having trouble uh, making ends meet and getting a good job because there's something wrong with me. Instead, no, I'm believing there's something wrong with me, and that's why I'm having trouble making ends meet and finding a good job. You see? So we think that the circumstances and situations of our life prove the belief, but they don't prove the belief. They represent the belief, they represent the belief to us in a way that we can look at it and choose again. We can decide do we want to keep the belief going or do we wish to surrender it for healing. So we go around gathering evidence to support our beliefs when our beliefs are actually completely false and no amount of evidence can ever make them be true. But ultimately, we're going to hit bottom and say, I can't live this way anymore. But we don't have our bottom does not have to be with our face pressed into the mud mixed with dung, (laughs) you know, poop. It doesn't have to be that way. Right? We can just feel really angry or really sad and say, okay, I've had enough. So one of the things that helps us is to understand truth is true and beliefs are not true. We know the truth, but we believe our perceptions and our projections. So therein lies the difference that determines whether or not we're pushed by the pain of our false beliefs interpretations and the meaning we've made of things or whether we're pulled by the joy of a divine vision of love as our very life. We decide, no one else decides what we choose. There is nothing in the world that has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail or afraid Or wounded in any way. But it is you who have the power to dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. So we could say, I don't know what anything is for, but I know what I am. I am the Son of God. I am pure, perfect love, and I'm as holy as holy can be. And all this stuff that's manifesting is to help me. To show me, and I'm grateful, so grateful, that I can recognize that now. And we can celebrate that. Even if we don't like the circumstances, we can celebrate that awareness. So this is effective spiritual practice. Turning it over, turning it over. I'm not interested in this thought anymore. Please take it out of my mind so I never think it again. Heal it back to the root cause. Whatever crazy thinking I did in whatever situation, circumstance, lifetime, doesn't matter anymore. Now I'm interested in the truth. I'm interested in freedom. So the pain isn't a bad thing. It's a wake-up call. And still we don't know what anything is for. don't so it's so important to give up this idea that we know what anything is for hmm all right so I am going to take some questions Star 2 to raise your hand if you'd like to offer a question uh, on the phone or the webcast. I'm going to go to the uh, Q&A of things that have been written in. And let's see here. All right. We've got someone who didn't give their name. says, Hi, Jennifer. I'm super sensitive to getting interrupted. Sometimes I find it so upsetting that I do not handle it as graciously as I would like. I get so frustrated that I will quit talking to the person who continues to interrupt or snap at them. I feel like I give others the respect of listening, and I am often told that I am a great listener. I don't understand what is being mirrored here for my healing. What are your thoughts? How's a perfect question. So, first of all, when we don't understand it, That's when the ego is trying to make sense of it. And so if we can just say, yeah, I don't understand it. But the main thing is, I don't wish to experience this anymore. So I'm not interested in this pattern. I'm not interested in whatever the belief is, whatever the thought is, all of this. I'm not interested in this anymore. I'm interested in whether they interrupt me or they don't interrupt me. It's all good. And then I can feel just as peaceful whether they interrupt me or they don't. That's what I'm interested in. Whatever's being mirrored here, I just like to heal it back to the root cause so I never ever experience it again. I can be a loving listener. I can be a loving speaker. It's all good. I cannot tell you how valuable it is to give up trying to understand things. Because the higher Holy Spirit self knows when we truly value the higher Holy Spirit self, everything will be known to us. There will be no confusion anymore. So that's where we can put our focus and attention instead of on trying to figure things out. For years and years, I tried to figure out what was wrong with me. For years and years, I tried to figure out how to make sense of the great mystery that this life is. And then I really began to move towards acceptance and just saying, you know, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm all in for being loving. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm all in for giving up this crazy thinking. I'm all in for learning and healing. I'm all in. Just bring it on. And it doesn't mean that every day I don't have judgments or resistance or reluctance. But when I notice it, I can go, Ugh, I'm not interested in that anymore. And I can give it to the Holy Spirit for healing and the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I allow it. And I do allow it because I'm interested in being peaceful and harmonious. So that that's the the greatest gift I can share with you is just saying, I am something's operating in my mind. There's some belief here and whatever it is, I am not interested in it any more. I'm done. And then Laurel's writing in here. Hi Jennifer, I'm having almost non-stop anxiety about a trip to Mexico in two weeks where I will have all my teeth overhauled. I'm overwhelmed with all the unknowns and things that need to happen. I read the fear and conflict section and it seems I can't ask for a reduction in fear because it's an illusion. So what can I do? Please speak of your beautifully please speak one of your beautifully eloquent prayers so I can better understand what to say to the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. Well, Laurel, fear is the byproduct of judging. So, my sense is the main judgment that you have is that you won't be able to control everything and you're going to have to have trust and faith so place all your faith in god and every time you feel afraid be re- be willing to recognize you're thinking some thought that's not true and give it up i'm not interested in this thought anymore please take this thought out of my mind and heal the the cause back to the root. I'm interested in feeling safe and harmonious and free all of the time. Share the benefits with everyone because I'm one with them. When my mind is healed, all minds will be healed. So anybody else who has this kind of thinking, let them have a healing as well. And just keep doing it over and over and over again. And recognize, my dear Laurel, that this experience is for the purpose of you healing your mind. It's not for any other purpose. It's not about your teeth. It's This is what you have chosen to work with your mind about. It seems like it's about your teeth, but it's not about your teeth. It's about you working with your mind. So if you can be grateful for this tremendous opportunity to work so assiduously with your mind, then it's a win-win. And you can get your teeth fixed, too. a bada bing bada-boom. <laughs> so it really, truly When we have this kind of constant fear thing, it means that we're in an extraordinary opportunity to heal our mind because we're triggered to such a degree. So become very vigilant. And if it means you have to say, I'm not interested in this thought anymore, please take it out of my mind, heal it back to the root cause. I'm so completely done with it. I'm only interested in thinking thoughts of love and light and peace and harmony, joy and wholeness and That's my true nature. That's what I'm interested in. I don't know what anything is for, except everything works together for my good. Please share the benefits of my healing with everyone. Take all these crazy thoughts out of everyone's mind. Thank you for my healing. If you have to do that a 100 times a day, well, that's not even 10 times an hour. It doesn't even take a minute to do it, really. And you can have extraordinary healing in just even one day of doing that. But you've got two weeks of doing it, so go for it. Don't think that this is about something else. This is what it's really about. Remember, everything in this world is symbolic. All right. Someone was saying that they couldn't hear anything, um, so I'm not sure what happened there, but it um, uh, seems to be working. No one has raised their hand, and uh, I am going to say a prayer and close us out. Yes, I am. I'm going to play a song after the prayer. Oh, and I'm going to make it just a quick announcement here about the Sacred Circles. I have uh, sent emails to everyone. Uh, we're starting with Sacred Circles this weekend. Uh, if you have registered for a Sacred Circle, uh, particularly if you registered before uh, Uh, last week or prior, uh, then you ought to have received an email that said uh, when your sacred circle is meeting and who are the co-facilitators of your sacred circle. And it's not too late to sign up for a sacred circle. Um, the The survey of which one you'd like to sign up for is in the Facebook group. And uh, emails have been going out about the trainings. If you're interested in just exploring the training or and you haven't even signed up for a sacred circle, you can definitely do that. And just listening here. We're doing this program for the first time, so we're, we're figuring it out, And, but if you think you'd like to be a part of this program, please, uh, please let us know now, and we'll help you find your group, and like I said, uh, we've got groups, I think, all seven days of the week, I think, and um, First one start on Saturday, so uh, yeah, and if you have any technical questions or would like any technical support whatsoever, you can write to Angela at JenniferHadley.com. Tracy's raising her hand here, which I also want to say great community call, great, great community call. I can tell the that um, it's just we're off to such a wonderful start. Hey, Tracy hi
1: jennifer how are you i'm great
0: Um, i i
1: think i missed an email about the sacred circle group so i just wanted to ask when they have gone out so i can either go back and find it or let you know Um, i'm not sure if i'm the only one but i did sign up i mean i did respond to the survey about when the times you know my three times that would work for me but i I got a notice about the Zoom training, but I didn't get a notice about um, what group I'm going to be in and and who will facilitate.
0: Those emails, I believe, went out on Friday. I'm I'm sure they went out on Friday. So I could have missed it. Yep. And um, you can always write to admin at JenniferHadley.com if uh, you have any questions if you you can't find it, okay, thank you, yeah, you're welcome. Uh-huh. Thank you. All right, so let's move into prayer here, so grateful and so thankful for the love of God that we already are, so grateful that we really are already perfect, whole, and complete. And that we're willing to recognize it here and now. We're willing to see and know and feel the truth about ourselves and everyone else. So grateful to allow ourselves to experience the healing that we desire. What I know as we go forward is that all fear is falling away. The truth is revealing itself in our mind. So grateful that we are accepting our Freedom, our wholeness, our perfection. We share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh song I'm going to play today is uh by Jason Mraz. It's called Living in the Moment. It's a beautiful song about really being in that moment. Uh, where that's where we can see and feel and recognize the divine alarm clock when it's going off is when we're living in the moment that's where the love is that's where the wholeness is that's where the healing is that's where the joy is that's where the vision is is living in the moment so living in the moment with jason morass
1: Like this one, ask why do we lay all these traps? We put them right in our path when we just want to be free. I will not waste my days making a fall